0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order.
1: That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: Yeah, we all live in a yellow submarine.
1: The big yellow taxi took my girl away. I have a very jaundiced view of life. Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Todorovich. I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Matt Barton. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks a lot.
1: How are you, Matt?
0: This day has been a long time coming. Yes. Referred to as your friend.
1: Oh, I thought you meant because the topic's jaundice. Um, yeah,
0: look. So that's what the songs were about.
1: Yellowing. Yellowing. Right? Good. You got it. You got it. So uh, jaundice.
0: Which is uh, a condition co- that causes you to go to yellow. Yes. Is it more than that?
1: Um, well, I've recently learned from you that it is. I thought that jaundice was simply the yellowing of your skin, mucous membranes and sclera of your eye. Uh, but you said that's not sufficient no, that to be is, called jaundice. that's not.
0: So you may eat a lot of pumpkins or uh, They do carrots. call me
1: Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater.
0: And if you did that, you potentially could have too much beta carotene.
1: And that could make you Well, yellow. I don't
0: know to what level, but yes, people can go yellow from absorbing too much of that.
1: So what do you need to add into the definition to make jaundice jaundice?
0: So you do need that yellowing, but you also need association with a high level of a metabolite mm-hmm. called bilirubin. Nice. So that would mean it has to be high amounts in your blood, so hyper bilirubinemia.
1: Emia meaning in the blood. Yeah. And if anyone here is a viewer of Chubby Emu on YouTube, which I think everybody should be because it's very interesting, he always talks about emia, presence in the blood. So hyper above, bilirubinemia, bilirubin in the blood. And bilirubin, like you said, it's a metabolite of breaking down red blood cells basically. Which we're going to talk about. Yeah, but let's go back a little bit. Jaundice, the etymology, the origin. Jean means yellow yep. in French. Is that correct?
0: Uh, yep. Okay. However you pronounce J-A- J-A-U-N-I-C-E.
1: Jaunice? Yeah. I think that's all right. Yep. Uh, we probably don't have French listeners, but if we do, write in. Tell us how terrible <laughs> we are. Um, ask, so that's, Marie. ask Marie. We'll ask our friend Marie. She's French. So that's yellow in French, the origin of jaundice. But it's got another term which you probably read in, in your textbooks, maybe publications called Ictoris.
0: Wasn't that a documentary about cycling? Uh
1: there is a documentary about cycling. So do they uh,
0: cyclists go yellow?
1: Well, <laughs> it's not a it's, I don't think it's called Ictoris. Uh it's called Icarus. Oh. And my uh, bad. Icarus was the god who flew too close to the sun. Was it? Yeah.
0: Oh. And what happened? To the god,
1: burnt his wings, fell to earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I, I think not Ictorus, Icarus, being the god, the Roman god, he gave humans fire. I think that's right. He tampered, he meddled with the humans too much. He really liked us. Oh yeah. I think. Um, and in one of the stories, he flew too close to the sun, burnt his wings, fell into earth, and that was his punishment.
0: Oh, so he wasn't. A- I thought the one that did the fire got punished by getting oh, eaten yeah. by the crow. No,
1: you're right. Who's that?
0: No, oh, no, I don't know. A,
1: a crow had to peck his liver out. Every day. for Every day for eternity.
0: That would also give you jaundice.
1: There you go. Yeah. Hey. It makes sense. It all comes back around. Well, it doesn't because it's not. <laughs> he's not called Ictoris. Uh
0: Let's just say for today. Okay. This. Yeah,
1: you're right. We can do whatever we want. People don't listen to us for accurate information. <laughs> so I- Icterus, not Icarus, Icterus
0: being the, the, the bird.
1: Latin or... Uh, Greek term for what? Big big bird. Big yellow bird. Yeah. Yes, big yellow bird. Um, and they used to think that if you had jaundice back in the day, that if you were to catch one of these birds with your eye, not physically oh, catch okay. them but just find them, see them, that would cure your jaundice.
0: Right. So if you were yellow and you were to come across a yellow bird and just mm. look at it, then it would –
1: Go away? Yeah. Or the bird would go away, but your jaundice (laughs) wouldn't. And so it didn't actually work. But anyway, that's the etymology. That's the background. People probably don't care too much about that.
0: Everyone likes etymology.
1: Yeah, as much as they like embryology. (laughs) (laughs) But the place that we need to begin, I think, is bilirubin. How do we produce bilirubin? Because it's this accumulation within the blood or body that causes the jaundice. It is toxic. If it accumulates and we don't get rid of it, it's toxic, particularly if it crosses the blood-brain barrier, which it can in its unconjugated form, uh, and be a neurotoxin. So we need to talk about what is bilirubin, how is it produced, okay? what's its metabolic process, so that we can see where these things can go it? wrong okay. and cause the different types of jaundice. So where should we begin?
0: Um Well, so what you're you're basically saying is we've given the definition. Um, In terms of bilirubin, which is the cause of the yellowing, what is the kind of amount that is required to get to the level of yellowing?
1: Well, normally you'll produce around about 4 milligrams per kilogram per day. Okay. So I'm 70 kilograms. So that's 4 milligrams times 70, um, which is a number that I can't easily calculate in my head.
0: 28? 28. Yeah,
1: so about, I produce around about 280, 280 milligrams, milligrams, milligrams per a day.
0: 24-hour period. Yes. Can you, can you calculate that per hour? Anyway. um, nope. so, that, so that's your daily production. But It would be
1: around about 1.2, 1.3 milligrams per hour.
0: But if you were, well, you'd expect to be getting rid
1: of this. Maybe that's 12 to 30, Anyway, you shouldn't have asked me that. No. Yes, you need to get rid of that. You can't. Make that and keep it in the body. So
0: it has to be excreted all the time. Yes, most Um, of it. And the levels that I found is pretty normal that you would expect to find in a person's blood is approximately 0.5 milligrams per deciliter, which is per 100 mils of blood. Yeah. So that's what it should be when you take a person's blood. Yes. Okay. Now, if it goes too much, again, I found anywhere between two and three milligrams per deciliter would probably be the reason that you would start to go yellow. Yes. That being skin, mucous membranes, and your sclera.
1: Yes. So jaundice is a clinical mm. disorder in which you- Clinical you, sign. Clinical sign. Uh, the, the yellow discoloration is mm. what's getting you thinking and investigating. Yeah. And
0: so we now have to figure out um, what is the reason for high bilirubin? Yes. and in, First of all, where does it come from? How is it processed and how do you get rid of it? Mm. Somewhere, somewhere along the lines there's a problem. That's right. So let's have a look at it. This pathway.
1: First place to begin. The life
0: of Billy Rubin. Do you want to call it that?
1: Yeah, the life of Billy Rubin. Okay, so once upon a time, you have a red blood cell.
0: I don't think you had one.
1: Every second, you produce millions of blood cells. It's amazing, isn't it? It is pretty good. In your bone marrow, these blood cells, particularly let's say red blood cells.
0: Yeah, we're focused on red blood cells only today for this story.
1: Even though... Anyway, I'll get there in a sec. Blood cells. Now, after around about 120 days of living their lavish lifestyle of delivering oxygen around the body.
0: Very important job.
1: Right. They start to become misshapen. We know they've got that sort of concave donut shape to them and that's a great shape to be able to, one, squeeze through very small vessels and, two, to be able to carry as much oxygen as possible. We know that they are enucleated. They don't have a nucleus. They don't have organelles, really. They're just packed full full of hemoglobin. Which is the carrier of oxygen. That's right.
0: So they've got no nucleus, no mitochondria, no endoplasmic reticulum.
1: Yep. So... Usually, on average, at around about 120 days, this is like us hitting 90, 95 years of age. Our, our, our body shape started to change. We have a hunch. It's harder to go from one place to the next. It's very difficult to perform any job. And that's the same with the red blood cells. Now,
0: When they get this old.
1: The problem is for red blood cells, they don't go to a retirement village. They actually go through squid games. So they have to go through. I I know the premise of it. I have to go through a series of events that weeds them out. And this happens either in the spleen, the liver, or the bone marrow.
0: Where they're made, even.
1: Yeah. Mm. And they go through what's called a reticular endothelial system. Mm -hmm. This is the game, the squid game. And they have to go through basically an obstacle course. Now, this weeds out those red blood cells that are misshapen (laughs) or old, right? Yeah, Yeah. And. In the reticular endothelial cells, there's a bunch of macrophages, phagocytes. They eat things up. Big eaters. Big eaters. They're basically like, I don't know what they're called, but in squid games there's a bunch of people who have masks on that hold the guns. They're the ones that shoot the people that fail. They're the macrophages. They're the macrophages. And so when they uh, destroy the red blood cells that don't fit very well, moving through this obstacle course of the reticular endothelial system, they begin to break them down. All right. Now what's in hemoglobin? What could be broken down from hemoglobin? Um, Break the word up for me, Matt. Heme? Mm-hmm. Globin. Oh, good, good, good.
0: Globin is protein.
1: Yeah, it's amino acids.
0: So um, it's going to just... Are you asking me what will happen to it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the globin will just be recycled. So I, I guess the macrophages will chop it up into its individual amino acids? Yep. And then it'll get shot off into an amino acid pool, yeah. wherever that is. I think For I me, th- in my biceps. I think the macrophages can use these in themselves, these proteins and amino acids for their own bodily uses. Yeah. Not that they have bodies, but
1: you know what I mean. Yeah, or You like to anthropomorphize everything that mm, we talk about.
0: Or spit it out into the blood, maybe. Yeah. Can I just add one question to this? Go for it. It was my understanding mm-hmm. that the macrophages didn't, didn't so much kill them, but clean them up.
1: Yeah, that's what I said, isn't it? Uh, well, I just the analogy. Yeah, well, them. they the macrophages aren't holding guns. You don't have to be too literalistic here, but they help break it all down.
0: So, yeah, so basically, when they're getting squeezed through the maze, or whatever you analogy you used. Yeah, sorry, um, it wasn't good enough for they you. They rip the red blood cell in, and into, into pieces. <laughs> yeah, so their guts go
1: everywhere. Yes, and that yeah. includes the globin, and yeah. then the heme, and the heme is made up of. Some further parts. Yeah, the heme is the way I think about it. It has a jewel right in the center of it, and this okay. jewel is iron. I R O N. That's pretty worthless jewel. Well, I mean, for the uh, hemoglobin, it's important okay, right. because without the and iron, oxygen, I guess. Well, iron ion is what it is. I R O N I O N. So it's a charged form of iron, okay? Which is Fe two plus, and that helps carry the oxygen. Yeah, And so this iron gets pulled off the heme yeah. and just gets recycled in the body.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you want to add to the structure of the heme?
1: Uh, no. No? Okay. Do Sorry. you want to add anything? No,
0: no, I don't really know. I, I know it's just like a something ring.
1: Yeah, I just don't think it's worth talking okay, about. Okay, awesome. All right. So now we've got heme by itself.
0: So, so the iron gets shot off to get recycled. Yeah. That was your take-home point. Yep. Okay, all right. Now you're just left with the heme.
1: Yep. And so heme, we're still in the spleen here, and again it can potentially happen in the liver or the bone marrow. The heme turns into something called biliverdin through an enzyme called heme oxygenase.
0: So it just adds an oxygen to it?
1: Don't know. Okay. What do you think?
0: I never forget. I never remember these enzymes. Reductase, I always for some reason think it adds a hydrogen. Maybe. Anyway, like, who cares? Who, who cares? So it goes from the heme to the bili- Glad Billy Glad you brought Verdun. it up. Billy Verdon.
1: Yes. Okay. Billy Verdon. Now, Billy Verdon, uh, if y- you, which you probably would love to be a reptile or an amphibian. I'm um, actually um, with the Queen, I've seen, Queen, oh, of Queen of England. Yeah. And I've, yes, <laughs> that's true. I have seen your cloaca. Now, <laughs> so, so if you were a bird, a reptile, or an amphibian, mm-hmm. we would. This whole process, this podcast would be done at oh, thirteen it finishes minutes. Here. It finishes right. here. Finish here. With Billy Verdin is what we can excrete if we were a bird, amphibian, or reptile, but we're human beings, and well, at least one of us are. Well, yeah, not with your claw, wacky, you're not. <laughs> As human beings, we have offspring that gestates within our uterus. Is the plural of uterus uteri? Doesn't matter.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Billy Verdin can't cross the blood placental barrier. Which means that the so, developing so, embryo or baby will after, they'll be in there for longer than 120 days. So they're going to have red blood cells that need to be recycled through this process, and so yeah, their
0: red their red cell production changes mm. from I think um, the yolk sac to the liver to then the bone. Okay, like us. All right. Not that you really care.
1: No, I don't care about most things that you say. Billy Verdon can't cross the blood placental barrier. Okay. So that means- it when can rid of it. Makes it, can't get rid of it, okay. and it will be toxic. So we've evolved more steps in this process, a number of more steps. So this biliverdin needs to be turned into bilirubin. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, what's the enzyme that does this? Reductase one. Yeah, biliverdin reductase.
0: Now, is bilirubin yellow?
1: Yeah, so bilirubin's a yellow pigment color- and Billy Verdon is a greeny color. And there's some mutations in the Billy Verdon reductase, so the enzyme that turns Billy Verdon to Billy Rubin, yeah. and it can result in an accumulation of Billy Verdon. And that's called green jaundice, oh. which is strange because jaundice itself means yellow, yeah. but it's called green jaundice. So Not super common.
0: Just to add to this, yeah, um, what happens in the changing colors? Coloration of bruises. Oh. Day one. Yeah. Color. Or day one to day two. I, I punch Michael in the arm.
1: No, no, let's flip it. I punch you oh. right in the face.
0: No, no, it's, it's too difficult there. Just do something that's more fleshy.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> I could pick any part of your body, I suppose. Um, all right. I punch you in the arm. Yep. Because uh, I'm so powerful, it's a really hard hit. I basically, look, if, if this is real life, your arm would fall off. So okay. I, I- Is this still the squid games? I hold back <laughs> about 70%. I punch you with 30% of my power and- Luckily, your arm stays attached to your body, yep. but it causes the sh- largest hematoma you've ever seen.
0: Which means internal bleeding. Yes. Okay. All right, good.
1: And so, if I were to push even harder, that I internal think, I think bleeding we, I would probably every, I, transmit throughout your entire body. I think everyone gets it. Okay. So
0: you punch me and I get a hematoma or internal bleeding into my uh, muscles of my arm. Well. Yeah, I know you're going to say, oh, you don't have any. Anyway, um, so initially there's hemorrhaging, so blood, whole blood just spills off into tissue. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So uh, if you were to inspect my arm <laughs> uh, uh, shortly after, it would probably just be red, like yeah. a red bruise.
1: Yeah. I can make fair? another statement there, Fa- but yeah. Fair? Fair. Fair, fair like okay. your skin.
0: So continue on. That's why you can see it so well. So continuing <laughs> on, this redness of the bruise will slow, slightly... Dissipate. Yeah. Reason for it, um, in your or in my arm, there's going to be macrophages. All right. Same as the spleen. Okay. Uh, and they're going to go, wow, there's a lot of uh, red blood cells here. Delicious. Um, we better clean them up like we do in the spleen or the so, liver.
1: So squid games okay? in your arm.
0: So they will start to do what you just said, changing the hemoglobin, off goes the globin, off, off goes the uh, iron. Yeah. But also we need to oxidise this to mm-hmm. Billy Verdon. So the change in bruise colour is now green.
1: So it goes from red to green.
0: And then yes. as it gets later and later, then it's going to move to more Billy Rubin.
1: So yellow. Down so yellow. what you're saying is when I punch you in the arm, it goes from red to green to yellow.
0: And that's the reason for it, these enzymes.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right.
0: Which will be important a bit later. Maybe we uh, should
1: do this experiment.
0: Well, <laughs> well the listeners don't want to be here for f- five days. <laughs> so um, just as a side point, because I know I'll forget to come back to it, but one of the causes of a buildup of Rubin could be a huge hematoma.
1: Yeah, like, like a punch that I've no No, no,
0: like significant. Like, uh, say you don't know a, how hard an, I punch. Like an ectopic pregnancy that ruptures. Oh, wow. And then it, you get a lot, a lot of bleeding internally.
1: Yeah. oh so internal yeah, yeah gotcha gotcha and
0: then um this will slowly this hematoma that stops bleeding will slowly be reabsorbed but because you've got so much hemolysis breakdown of mm. red blood cells you're going to get an increase bilirubin. In but we can, can get to that i just thought it was
1: and i assume that would be quite a transient cause of uh jaundice yeah i'm not sure okay so so now we've got bilirubin which has been produced in the spleen or liver and bone marrow now it can leave the spleen Now, as it leaves the spleen, this type of bilirubin is called unconjugated bilirubin. That's important to state, all right? I'll tell you what that means shortly. Now, this unconjugated bilirubin jumps into the bloodstream and bilirubin is actually uh, quite water insoluble. Yes, it doesn't like water. (coughs) Excuse me. So Billy Rubin needs to bind to something that does like water, something that can carry it or transport it throughout the bloodstream, and that's going to be the limo of the liver, albumin. Yeah. And so Billy Rubin binds bind to the album. Cause albumin because albumin. Because it's made is, there. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. What else would it be well, I called? Thought it'd
0: that? Be, I thought it'd be more for the plasma.
1: Anyway, well, look, it's it's home base. So bilirubin binds to albumin to make it more water-soluble. This is still recognized as unconjugated bilirubin. Okay. So just because it's bound to albumin doesn't mean it's conjugated. Now, here's an interesting point. Bilirubin binds to the albumin simply so it can travel through the bloodstream because it wants to get to the liver.
0: To, To get conjugated.
1: That's right. But we're not there yet. It's still traveling through the bloodstream. important point here is that that bilirubin can be disassociated from the albumin through a number of different causes. So, salicylates can do it. Like aspirin. Yep. Ferizamide can do it. Diuretic. Yep. Sulfonamides. Antibiotic. Yep. Radiographic dyes. Yep. That's
0: yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 um, Now, this isn't usually an issue for adults, but can be an issue for infants. So, like. Newborns and so forth. That's right. So if they're exposed to these in high quantities, it can disassociate the bilirubin from the albumin. And now you've got bilirubin unconjugated because it hasn't reached the liver. It's not bound to albumin, which means it's fat soluble. Yep. And the reason why this is bad is that because it's fat soluble, it wants to cross into tissues mm. such as the blood-brain barrier, Yeah. which means when it's not bound to albumin, it will get into the brain. Yeah. And if you're a child, this isn't good.
0: Yeah. And I think they've also got... Children have got like a a less mature blood-brain barrier as well. So it's more likely to cross for babies as well.
1: Exactly right. And And so
0: you've got a developing brain and so it's very vulnerable to this toxic effect.
1: Yes. And the brain damage that's caused by bilirubin accumulating in the brain is called conicterus. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, but let's just say somebody's not exposed to those things. Billy Rubin bound to albumin gets transported to the liver. At the liver, that albumin disassociates off and gets recycled, gets reused elsewhere. And now we've just got the bilirubin sitting in the liver. That bilirubin, its main job in the liver is to become conjugated. Why? Why do we want to conjugate the bilirubin? We sort of alluded to it just it water-soluble. Before, to make it water-soluble, to make it less likely... To cross these tissue barriers, and you
0: can get rid of it easier.
1: Exactly. If it's water soluble, you can pee it out, right? It also means it won't cross into tissues where it can have its toxic effects. Yep. So the liver, its job is to conjugate. Now, all this unconjugated, conjugated is important because different types of jaundice can present if you do a test with more higher levels of conjugated versus unconjugated, or higher levels of un. Uh, unconjugated versus conjugated yeah. or a mixed presentation. Yeah. And this can give you an indication as to where it's the, the cause is. The, yeah, the type of joint. So.
0: so so basically you've your patient's got a yellow discoloration, you have a look at their blood and you find that they've got high levels of bilirubin but then you're not sure exactly what type of bilirubin so you can do a further test to see if it's predominantly conjugated or unconjugated. Yeah, And by knowing that you can figure out whether it's a problem before the liver, usually, or kind of within or after the liver.
1: Bingo. Okay. Now, the enzyme you can, that.
0: You can pronounce this. Okay.
1: The enzyme that conjugates bilirubin is called UDP glucuronacill transferase.
0: What's the UDP?
1: Don't even ask me.
0: Uracil you're you're diphosphate?
1: Mate, uracil diphosphate. Okay. All right. Uh, no, I don't think it is, but. Okay. Uh, oh, who knows? That's right. Who cares? Uh, the reason why I didn't probably, say probably, it was because I didn't care. Probably a hepatoscientist, um, as in they will care. It's uridine five diphospho transferase. Ooh. I'll say it again: uridine five diphospho transferase. Let's just say I think you, that's what I said. U D. It's not. You said uracil. U uh, D P glucuronosyl transferase is what we're going to say. Its job is to conjugate bilirubin. What yeah. that means is it adds glucuronic acid to bilirubin. What is that? It's, it's like an a sugar? It's acid. It's called glucuronic acid.
0: Is it like a sugar?
1: It's an acid. <laughs> it, and it adds this glucuronic acid to make it more water-soluble. Okay. The gene that encodes for UDP glucuronosyltransferase transferase is called UGT1A1. Write that down, folks. UGT1A1 because... When we start talking about jaundice and its causes, this there might be a, be a couple of uh, mutations present here to cause some hereditary forms. Okay, But now we've got conjugated bilirubin. What happens now, Matthew, James, Barton?
0: Well, basically it's water-soluble. We're in the liver and we know the exit point for the liver. So two entry points to the liver, that's arterial blood and venous blood. Yeah, And, then and the, a knife
1: through the guts.
0: And the exit point oh, yes. is uh, bile or the... Yeah, what is that? The output? biliary. Biliary tract. Yeah. Um, so that's anything that the liver wants to get rid of that it's not overly happy with. Yeah. It will put it down this pipe. Oh. Multiple pipes. Okay. So the hepatocyte is the functional cell of the liver. So you got thousands, millions, I don't know how many. Let's say trillions. I don't think that many. But we'll just go with a lot. There's a lot of hepatocytes which will <laughs> do that the a lot. Um, detoxifying – and what Mike just spoke about. Um, and it gets, you know, you need, to get the, you need to get the bilirubin. So where does that come from? Well, it's going to come from blood. So it's kind of arterial blood as well as venous blood and it's going to grab onto it and then once it's dealt with the things it's wanting to get rid of, it puts it into essentially into the bile or the biliary system. Now
1: what that Wait means... A sec. So basically the conjugated bilirubin from the liver gets thrown into the gallbladder. Oh, I'm getting to that. It's You're not go- even there yet. No. So what were you talking about?
0: I'm just talking about the biliary output. Oh, I don't know. What, what is the – I forget the correct term. What's the – so the, the lobules of the liver. Yeah. What's the the outflow?
1: You've got the portal triad. Yeah, the portal triad. Yeah. And so the portal triad is going to have the hepatic artery coming in. It's going to have the portal vein yeah. coming in. Yeah. Uh, and – it's going to, like Matt said, the hepatocytes that are present in these um, lobules will detoxify the stuff that's coming in. It will store certain uh, metabolic uh, substances like glucose is glycogen and fatty acids and so forth. Uh, but it will also produce stuff. So it produces lymph and it produces bile. Yep. And so then you've start to produce this bile into can canuliculi you I'm quite okay. sure. Yep. And then they drain off into bile ducts.
0: Well not quite yet. We go to the hepatic ducts, which is oh, the, yes. the accumulation of all that all those out outflow pipes. And so once it leaves the the liver as a whole, you're gonna have a right and left hepatic duct. Okay. Which then joins a outflow from the gallbladder, which are the cystic ducts. And once they all join together that would become the common bile duct. And that would then flow down to uh, the duodenum, okay? And that then has the ability to spill off into the small intestine or the, or the um, duodenum. But if there is a, there's a sphincter around that pipe, if that's closed, then all that bile kind of goes all the way back up and starts to fill up the gallbladder, which stores it there for a later time, usually when you have a fatty meal. And that... Starts to concentrate it all. So essentially, the bilirubin that's being conjugated is going to be stored in this system to to the point of then release.
1: Yeah, the way I like to think about it is that it's conjugated in the liver, then there's a couple of tubes that go to the gallbladder, and then there's one tube that goes to the intestines. And so at any point, you could block the tubes from the liver to the gallbladder, you could block the gallbladder. We could block the tube that goes from the gallbladder to the intestines. There's potential blockages that can happen there. But at the end of the day, the conjugated bilirubin goes from the liver to the gallbladder to the intestines. Yep. Yeah.
0: So if you've got um, any kind of – yeah, as you said, if you've got any kind of blockage along that way, so whether it's intrahepatic, so there's a blockage in those hepatic ducts, there's going to be a problem, or if you've got a blockage in the common bile duct, there's going to be a problem.
1: Yep. Now, once the conjugated bilirubin, remember it's got glucuronic acid attached to it. That's what makes it conjugated and water-soluble. Once it gets to the large intestines, what do we have a lot of in the large intestines?
0: Uh, bacteria.
1: Yes, and poo. But bacteria <laughs> that's there is going to start gobbling up the conjugated bilirubin and it produces something. What is that?
0: Um, you mean what is it? how does it change from the conjugated bilirubin to something else? Yep. By the bacteria? Yep. Um, urobilinogen. Yep. Urobilinogen.
1: Urobilinogen. Okay. Is produced. So what is?
0: How is this different to the conjugated?
1: It's just altered. Okay. Don't ask me the specifics. Uh, if it was important, I would bring it up. <laughs> and so the urobilinogen can stay in the bowel, stay in the large intestines, turn into stercobilin, which is then excreted as poo. And it's the stercobilin that makes your poo brown okay. because of the red blood cells. So the bilirubin is colouring your poop in the form of stercobilin.
0: That's important because if you do have some issues along this way, that your poo colour might change.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And so eighty five percent of your bilirubin comes out in your poo in the form of stercobilin. All oh, right, right. But that's not how all the urobilinogen is excreted. That urobilinogen in the bowel, can jump back into the bloodstream, right? Because it's water-soluble. Yep. And it jumps into the bloodstream and it can travel to the kidneys where the kidneys can turn it into urobilin and that can come out in your wee and that's what makes your wee yellow. That's around about 5% of your bilirubin comes out via your kidneys. But another 5%, around about-ish or 10%-ish, will go back to the liver, yeah, via so the portal system
0: so obviously if this urobilinogen is absorbed from anywhere in your bowel it has to get taken to the liver by the portal system mm. which is kind of what we spoke about that's the liver receives venous blood which is the majority of um forget the top of my head what is it like 70 percent. of blood? the blood that comes in the is liver? venous
1: yeah yeah around right about that
0: opposed to arterial blood um So this allows for another cycle but then some of it will get spilled off somehow back into the systemic blood and that can then get taken to your kidneys. Um, And so your kidneys, so that's about 5% of it, so your kidneys then will do another form of oxidation which then makes it into urobilin and that will colour the urine. Yeah. And that gives it the straw colour, the yellowy straw colour to your
1: urine. Fair? Yeah. So the three destinations for bilirubin or – is, well, simply comes out in your poo, a stercobilin, comes out in your urine, as urobilin, or it can be reabsorbed back, taken back to your liver via the enterohepatic circulation. Okay. Uh, and then it just goes back through, round and round and round and round and round again. So it goes to your liver, to your bile, to your bowel, to the bloodstream, and then back to the enterohepatic circulation. It keeps moving around and round and round, hence being called a circulation. So this is the metabolism of bilirubin yep. so from red blood cells.
0: So from red blood cells to the toilet in any case, pretty much. Yeah. So if there is a problem along this way, it's going to build up mm-hmm. and then discolour, which is the crux of what jaundice is. So we need to figure out if um, for students listening who are going to become health professionals, if they have their a patient that is yellow and they know that it's caused by increased bilirubin, where is the problem?
1: Yes, that's right. And we listed – I think a a, a nice overview is that if we just list the structures of the body that's involved, we've got red blood cells, we've got spleen, we've got systemic circulation, we've got the liver, we've got the gallbladder and its various biliary system or tubes – We've got the bowel and we've got the bloodstream again that goes to the kidneys. Yeah. So there's a number of different areas in which things can happen, things can go wrong. And don't forget that it's not just red blood cells, it's where the red blood cells are produced too, which is bone marrow. Yes. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of different organ systems that can be involved as the causative agent for jaundice.
0: So how can we simplify this? How can we make it easier? So well, for the student that wants to somehow categorize it, make it simpler, so they can remember it for clinical practice down the track.
1: Yeah, there's different ways to do it. Um, I think for a podcast, the best way is to talk about some of the hereditary forms first, because there's five hereditary forms. So this is where mutations are the causative issue, and then you can talk about prehepatic, so everything that's going wrong before the liver, intrahepatic, also known as hepatocellular everything that's going wrong in the liver itself. And then post-hepatic, everything going wrong after the liver. What do you reckon?
0: Yep, and that one's also sometimes called colistatic. Yes. Okay. Uh, another, uh, another way of categorization, which we, we're not going to talk about, but just so the, st- the student listening will know because they may hear it in this form, is in uh, indirect versus direct. Indirect is basically unconjugated and direct is conjugated um, hyperbiliary.
1: Rubinemia, Mm. Rubinemia. yeah. So let's talk about the five hereditary forms. These are mutations that are happening to important enzymes or genes. Should we do
0: this here or should we do it where it happens?
1: I think let's just do it first and get it out the road. All right. right. So this is happening in the liver. So you've actually got five hereditary forms. So the first three are all mutations that happen to the gene UGT1A1. Which is w- the one you told
0: everyone to write down.
1: That's right. It trans- this is a gene that can be translated into the enzyme UDP glucuronosyltransferase. transferase. It's what conjugates bilirubin with glucuronic acid. It's what makes it water-soluble. So that means if there's a mutation here and it stops working, you end up not being able to conjugate bilirubin. Okay. So you end up accumulating unconjugated bilirubin and not producing conjugated. So these three hereditary forms, two are called Crigler najar syndrome, and one is called Gilbert syndrome. Yep. But all three of these mutations result in an accumulation of unconjugated bilirubin. Right. Now you've, there's another one called Dubin-Johnson syndrome, and this is a mutation in a gene that translates into A protein or a subset of proteins that exports the conjugated bilirubin out of the liver. Caniculae. Yeah. Into the biliary system. Yep. So if this mutation is present, then the unconjugated bilirubin accumulates in the liver. Uh, Sorry, the conjugated Mm -hmm. bilirubin, right? Accumulates in the liver because there's nothing wrong with the UDP glucuronosyl transferase. It's conjugated. It's
0: conjugating conjugating it, but it's just not. Export get it. it out of the cell.
1: Yes, so it accumulates in the liver and will spill over into the bloodstream. Yep. And so then you have for this Dubin Johnson syndrome an accumulation of conjugated bilirubin. And then the final hereditary form is called Rotor syndrome. When we spoke about the enterohepatic circulation, basically the reabsorption of the bilirubin or one of the bilirubin metabolites, uh, such as urobilinogen, back into the liver, it does this through a transporter. And mutations of this transporter result in rota syndrome. And so you can get an accumulation of both unconjugated and conjugated in this form. So these are the five hereditary forms. Two, Kruglin-Najar, one Gilbert, one Dubin-Johnston, and the other, rota. Now, it's probably worth saying here that the most likely or probably one of the most common ways that people have witnessed jaundice is in newborns. Okay. Okay. called unconjugated bilirubinemia of the newborn. It's given you a bit of a hint as to what's happening. It's unconjugated bilirubin. So what do you think is happening? And it's in a newborn. And it's in a newborn. <laughs> Usually about two to five days after birth, you can see the yellowing discol- discoloration of the skin, sclera, mucous membranes and so forth. This, this is it, happening. Do you know why?
0: I think there could be two causes of this. Yep. Um, one could be, which is probably less common now, but I, but please correct me, is where there's a, an incompatibility between the um, the fetus... Well, now it's going to be the baby, but I think it probably happens f- fetally. Um, blood and the mother. So it would have to be at least the second child for the mother and so the baby would have to have a Reese positive blood type and the mother's got antibodies against it. So that's mm. spilled across and then her antibodies uh, attacking the fetal red blood cells. So that would lead to hemolysis within the fetus, which would then lead to – it's not so much a problem in the liver, but it would still lead to potentially jaundice from a pre-hepatic cause. Yep. Whereas the other one – So that's the least
1: common cause. Yep.
0: The other one, which I think is called breastfeeding jaundice, is there are – Enzymes, I think, in the breast milk which interact with the baby's, newborn's um, enzyme that does the conjugation.
1: Yeah, the udp kind of Not
0: Maybe not inhibits it but just slows it down. Yep. And because the baby already has a very immature liver, uh, it causes a buildup of unconjugated
1: bilirubin. That's and the second cause. And then there's oh, the there third another third cause, yeah. The third uh, cause I is simply doesn't even have to be due to the breastfeeding. It can simply just be that the child has a slow to mature liver and the uh, gene UGT1A1, its expression levels are quite low early on. So two to five days, quite low. And again, that means they start to accumulate unconjugated bilirubin. And this is why it's called unconjugated hyperbilirubinemia of the newborn so and if, it
0: starts building up, the baby goes yellow. Yep. Everyone freaks out, or well, at least the parents. Yep. Um, what can we do? And we know that this is going to become toxic, so we yeah. don't want to cause a problem to the baby's brain, developing brain. So what we can we do?
1: Blue light therapy. How so, does that work? So well, phototherapy? Yeah, phototherapy. I think the blue light spectrum is 390 to 470 nanometers, so they expose them to this light. And basically it... Uh, creates a, f- a water soluble photoisomer of bilirubin, um, which then is less likely to cross the blood brain barrier, more likely to be peed out. Yeah, I and think so. I, that's basically yeah, how it works.
0: I think it basically just puts it into a conjugated form and then it that can then get excreted, like you said.
1: Or at least a water soluble form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so now we can start looking in more detail at the pre hepatic, intra hepatic, and post hepatic causes. So let's first start with prehepatic. So things that can go wrong before the liver.
0: So what are we are going to call this? We're going
1: to call it um,
0: a problem with the production yep. or destruction
1: or transport to the point of the liver. you probably say a problem with the production of red blood cells, yep. a problem with the destruction of red blood cells yep. and a problem with the transport of bilirubin oh, yes. to the liver. Yeah, good point. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to begin? Well, let's... Start at the beginning, the production of red blood cells, okay, what's that process called
0: um urethropoesis urethra urethra franklin <laughs> Poiesis. so, so uh, red blood cell sorry, red bone marrow partakes in this it's a very active process, as you said, maybe one to two million red blood cells are made per second mm. that's crazy when you think about it.
1: It's nuts um per second, yeah, yeah,
0: so. Whilst it's doing this, so it kind of goes from a um, stem cell-like cell and it needs to go through these subsequent steps that uh, have a degree of maturity to it before it spits it off into the blood. Mm. I think it spits it off pretty much as a reticular site, which still has to do a bit of maturing but pretty much – I think it's but it safe, matures in the system, in the bloodstream. Safe right? to say that in in a reticular form, then it's uh, it's it's well on the way for maturity. But in the early phases, where it's going from a stem cell to that reticular site, it needs to build it in a certain way with all those building blocks. So yeah, it needs a lot of
1: stuff to it needs amino acids and iron and folic acid. Yeah, so the
0: stuff for g- the genetic component. So for the DNA synthesis and all that. Yep. So if you are deficient in some of those, like folate and B12, yeah. it's they stay, they kind of stay big. Really? Um, big cells. So mega, mega, mega blasts, which are big. I mean, sometimes we call it mega blast or mega site uh, anemias. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they're just too big. And I think at any one time when you're doing erythropoiesis, you probably lose... Fifteen percent of the cells that you produce in your bone marrow all the time, anyway,
1: because they get targeted for destruction.
0: No, no, it's just a, it's just poorly produced because it's the cells are so mitotically active. They probably put some errors in it, and the, oh. and the cells aren't well developed, and they just kind of get knocked off and then remade in the bone marrow. Oh, okay, okay. But if this process becomes more problematic, so you have these deficiencies, like you said, folate, um, iron deficiencies. Um, B twelve deficiencies, then the cells have a higher prevalence to become dysfunctional, and then they get destroyed whilst they're still in the bone marrow.
1: Right, so how's jaundice fit in?
0: Well, you're just spilling this all out into the blood, so you've just got excess amounts of.
1: I oh, see. So saying that in certain cells. types of anemia, yeah, where the
0: not so much anemia. Well, it may lead to anemias, which is just low levels of um, oxygen car- carrying capability or hemoglobin. Due to
1: destruction though. Yeah. So you, well, you can have anemia due to excessive destruction of red blood cells. But what about the excessive production of the red blood cells?
0: You mean too, not enough?
1: No, excessive production of red blood cells. Because uh, that would be the main cause of the anemias is you've got two. So you can have, not the anemia, sorry, jaundice So in prehepatic. You can have too much red blood cells being produced. You can have too many red blood cells being broken down.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know a cause that is due to too much being produced. I know they're, they're, they're produced but then they become ineffective and then they get killed and then they, they spill off opposed to just being killed off at some point because they are within the system somewhere being, um, yeah,
1: destructed. Mm. So anything that will increase hematopoiesis, uh, so polycythemia, increased red blood cell production, means that you've got more red blood cells in the system you're going to have more red blood cells being destroyed yeah. and that can lead to basically the whole metabolic process clogging up resulting in hyperbilirubinemia. Okay, uh, You can have excessive destruction like in the anemias like Matt was saying um, and that's hemolysis but you can have the hematomas like you were saying as well. That's also excessive destruction, but mainly because you've you've bled out into a particular compartment of the body. And you also mentioned the ABO blood incompatibility that can happen with a mother and a child with the rhesus factor issue. Which
0: which they call alloimmune opposed to autoimmune. There are some autoimmune diseases Mm. that causes um, hemolysis like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. Um, Interestingly, going back a step, one of the reasons in your red blood cells you spoke about we have no they ha- they have no mitochondria that means they produce all their ATP in their cytoplasm, yeah. Uh, and mostly the reason for this is to make the membrane pliable. Is that the right word?
1: Yeah, I'd say flexible. Uh, flexible, yep.
0: Yeah. Um, but it can also valuable, It can also bendable. help with um, preventing, I guess, the oxidation of the proteins within the red blood cell. And so if you have any circumstance that can lead to too much free radicals, oxidization of the proteins in the red blood cells, this could lead to their destruction. And There's one common condition which is the glucose 6-phosphate deficiency. Mm. And so this would be a genetic basis but then if the individual is put in a situation where they have more free radicals, and I think there's certain foods like fava beans, for instance. We did this as a case study when I – was a tutor in med, med school where they had, um, I think it's more prevalent in parts of Africa. They have this deficiency and then if you're eating foods that are causing free radical production in proteins, they have a high amount of red blood cell destruction wow. and that could lead to then um, anemia as well as jaundice. Interesting. Another another one is sickle cell anemia because it's yes. a, it's a poorly shaped red blood cell. So again, it, it can accumulate and cause the destruction. Again, that one's found in Africa. Uh, West Africa and that seems to correlate strongly to malaria as a protection which is interesting um, we can we can move past that and the other form of inherited destructive disorders is spherocytosis so this yep. is where the red blood cells are small and round they're not for, very forgiving so they when they're getting smashed around in the the, the uh, blood vessels they get killed off opposed to the bou- <laughs> the the bouncy donuts that they should be
1: right gotcha <laughs> gotcha gotcha Does that makes sense yeah uh,
0: a couple other other causes of high destruction would be some parasites cause red blood cell destruction particularly oh, yeah. malaria again that they, they cuz they kind of invade or that
1: so you can have malaria induced jaundice i believe so um,
0: because the life cycle of the what's it called um What's the microorganism? What's the, the term? It's like a unicellular microorganism. I always forget it. Uh, oh,
1: uh, the of the c- malaria. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't don't ask me. It's a parasite. Yeah, parasite. Just forget the name of it. Doesn't yeah. matter.
0: Anyway, so part of its life cycle is to go into the red blood cell, and I th- I guess um, when it leaves, it busts the red blood cells up. Yeah, and so that would then cause um, excessive amount of bilirubin. Plasmodium. Plasmodium. Yeah. Uh, A few other ones you can get um, deficiencies with your um, blood vessels, which are called microangiopathy, and they kind of have um, the way that possibly the connective tissue forms in the in the blood cell in the blood vessel layer is it sticks off into the lumen, and as the red blood cells fly past, they kind of get caught in it, or it has an effect to the way that they flow and that can cause a damage to the red blood cells and again cause an increase in destruction of the red blood cells. Uh, almost there. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, we spoke about the immune causes, SLE, rheumatoid arthritis some common ones, and then the alloimmune, which, is a, which you would expect wouldn't happen very often anymore, but a incompatibility with blood mm. transfusion. How's so, that all that? Yeah, that, look, I
1: think the to, to summarize the prehepatic causes. Um, it's but that's basically more, that's
0: more hemolytic ones.
1: Yeah, so prehepatic anything that increases the production of the red blood cells is going to result in increased destruction. Anything that results in increased breakdown yeah. or hemolysis, which is a big one, I think, which is the most common. It's yeah, usually a category in itself. Yeah, um, and. Uh, anything that, so basically, those two are the, are the major yeah, big ones. causes a prehepatic jaundice. And again, take home message as well, in addition to that, is it results in an accumulation of unconjugated bilirubin. Because yep. all of this is happening prior to the liver. And so it's backing up, backing up, backing up at the liver because it can't conjugate it fast enough. So you've got this excessive unconjugated bilirubin floating around the bloodstream and that can be tested for.
0: And just to add to completion, I know we spoke about it, but just to add to completion. So on its transport um, in in the blood now to the liver, remember it's getting carried on albumin, you can get issues with certain drugs. So we spoke about the drugs, we don't have to go back through it again. But certain drugs can rip the bilirubin off the albumin and then that will then cause a problem with its transport. And then finally there is one molecule that seems to grab the albumin bilirubin complex and suck it into the hepatocyte, that can also be inhibited by a drug um, called rifampicin. Yep. And that apparently also causes your body fluids to go pinky orange.
1: Oh, There you go. Well, we go. I've, I've never had rif- rifampicin before.
0: So that's pre, So happy with that?
1: Yeah, I'm happy with that. Final point about pre is that when testing for jaundice, you don't just look at the bilirubin conjugated versus unconjugated versus total, for example. You also would look at liver function tests. And because this is all happening pre-hepatic, the liver function tests will probably be normal, right? So that's an important point. You'll have increase in unconjugated, and relatively normal liver function tests. But let's
0: make a promise to the listeners, okay? We're going to do a podcast. I never promise anything to anyone. We're going to do a, po- a podcast all on liver function tests. Woohoo! But we thought we wouldn't do it today because it would probably cloud it all up.
1: I think so. Okay?
0: So well, w- we're going to get to that. Keep like, it at that. We always do these, make these promises and they are always fulfilled like um, <laughs> our thermodynamics video. Or yeah, podcast, yeah, should I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you still yeah. haven't
1: done. We will do it. We'll do it. Um, all right, let's talk about intrahepatic causes, also known as hepatocellular. I think- Can just, I just make a, no, a quick let me, caveat here? No, me. Me first. All right. First thing for intrahepatic, for hepatocellular, is that anything that damages the liver can be a cause of intrahepatic jaundice. And so I know that Matt just spoke, Spoke exhaustively about this list of things that cause prehepatic, intrahepatic is going to be far bigger because oh, it's yeah. anything that can damage the liver. Sorry, yeah. go. But what, also, what were you going to say? also
0: easier in a way.
1: I'm, I'm sorry for talking while you were interrupting.
0: <laughs> well, I just wanted to say, in intrahepatic, even though you said that this is going wrong with the hepatocyte per se, it's also important to say that uh, it can be demarcated right in the middle in the sense that in some half of the hepatocyte not working, it's going to lead to unconjugated bilirubemia, whereas the other half of the hepatocyte is going to lead to conjugated. So it's, mm. it's important to know that there will be a discrepancy mixed. there.
1: Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it could potentially have a mixed uh, accumulation of unconjugated to conjugated. Yeah. Um, look, just I think without dwelling on it, I'm just going to list a bunch of stuff, and you can add to that. No, what do you I think it's
0: pretty straightforward. So you know? it's just got, the liver's gone, buggered haywire. up.
1: Hey, Yeah. So like viral hepatitis, fatty liver disease, alcoholic, non-alcoholic causes, tumors, drugs, autoimmune. Honestly, just think about anything that could damage the liver is going to damage its ability to conjugate. Well, damage its ability to uptake, unconjugated bilirubin. Yeah. Conjugate bilirubin yep. and excrete bilirubin. So. It, it can damage those things. Like Matt said, depending on where or how, it can lead to an accumulation of unconjugated versus conjugated yeah. and vice versa. So, all right, so that's intrahepatic. What would you like to... Oh, the other thing here is that if you were to test for this, the liver enzymes would be up because the yeah, liver is damaged.
0: Which we're going to talk about in the next one. Yeah. But that's a good point. But I think that's
1: a good point yeah, is that if point. you see elevated liver enzymes and elevations of bilirubin, you probably have a good indication, oh, it's happening in the liver itself. Yeah. Anything one, you, one you
0: want to add? Oh, I just want an interesting point. When when you – so you spoke about hepatitis. Um, like you said, you've got the A to E. We're not going to go through that. Um, alcohol, as you'd probably imagine, is a huge one and that's leading into the cirrhosis, um, injury into cirrhosis. But uh, when I quickly went across into drug-induced and I messaged you this this morning and you didn't reply, which I was disappointed with. But anyway. Um,
1: I don't remember like getting the message. Like 20% – I block you.
0: So um, about 20% of c- drug-induced hepatitis – no, hepatic injury is due to – Mushrooms. A, no, uh, herbal remedies uh, and no. also I read um, sports supplements.
1: Yes, that's why I ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> what the sports <laughs> – because you yeah. take a sport – Because you oh. said anabolic steroids and I was just thinking, well, is, is that a having a go at you? me? Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, I just thought that was interesting that um, –
1: I don't take anabolic steroids by the no, way, no, just to no, anybody who's listening. No, no.
0: What I was gonna, what I was meaning I don't need to. is that there is sometimes this is probably gonna turn into a rant a little bit more, Here we more go. from Mike than me. No. But there is this um, belief that, you know, uh, taking natural things like herbs is very safe. Yeah. But in fact, um, herbs are just like any other potential drug uh, molecule or drug that your liver has to deal with it and yeah. if you overload it with a whole lot of stuff that even it, though it comes from nature, uh, it can cause significant damage mm. and injury to the liver which is sometimes irreversible.
1: Talk to any hepatologist, so that's a liver expert, and they'll tell you how much they hate herbal teas. Okay. Right? Because it's just it's extra burden on the liver. Yeah. People think it's just a herbal tea. But, so you did get me going. But,
0: but they're chemicals and molecules and they still have to be detoxified yeah. and altered the yeah. same way as a medication would. You look at yeah.
1: like a, a drug like aspirin, it has a single active molecule, salicylic acid, single activity. You look at something like, I don't know, ginkgo biloba, this is not a single thing. This is a multitude of things with potentially multiple drugs that can interact with one another and can interact with medications that people are already taking. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, it's natural, so it's better.
0: Or safe. False. Or direct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway,
1: post hepatic. Um, oh, okay. Or well, did you have more for intrahepatic?
0: No, I was just going to mention in the drugs um, that the, the leading cause is paracetamol.
1: Oh, for intrahepatic yeah. damage, yeah. Yeah, yeah don't. Paracetamol has a very safe yet narrow range of activity. Yeah, if
0: you go into the like gram level of ingestion, then it becomes hepatotoxic.
1: Yes. Um, Just take the recommended dose, right? Um, So post-hepatic. So this is happening after the liver and the way I think about it again are the tubes going from the liver to the gallbladder, the gallbladder itself, and then the tube from the gallbladder into the bowel.
0: Because I'm more of an anatomist than a physiologist. I know. So I you're going to confuse people. I just need to say yes. that the liver does not, it cannot drop bile directly into the gallbladder.
1: Okay? It can't.
0: No. It has to go all the way down and then go all the way back up.
1: To all the way it. down where?
0: All the way down to the, um, what's the correct term? I don't want to say the ampulla of veda anymore. The main pancreatic duct? Oh. No, yeah.
1: It's, yeah, it's the. Pancreatic duodenal ampule, uh Well, that's, that's fine. Ampoule yeah. is
0: fine. It just means a widening. Yeah. But when that sphincter's closed, they used to call it sphincter oddy. I'm not going to say it, but that's what it is. Um, <laughs> when that's closed, that's basically meaning you're not eating a fatty meal. Yeah. It's closed. Yeah. All the bile. So yours goes must up, always be open. All the bile goes back up. Because remember, the, the gallbladder hangs below the liver. So it can't oh. really go directly into it because it's got its own two pipes that it's gotten rid of. Does
1: that make sense? Anyway. anyway um, yeah, no, people are loving it. Go on. Look,
0: it's very <laughs> important anatomy. So, so any, the, the take-home point, any kind of blockage along this way is going to cause problems to the excretion of this conjugated bilirubin. Yeah,
1: because it's going to alter the excretion of bile and the conjugated bilirubin is in the bile. And so stopping the excretion of bile is called cholestasis. Stasis means to stop and coli is referring to the gallbladder and the substances within the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. So anything that can for cause cholestasis, so strictures. So, so traffic, th- traffic jam. Yep. Yeah. So a, so you could have strictures, so a narrowing. You're going to have stones, so a blockage. You're going to have tumours, which could impede the tubes. You're going to have a whole bunch of stuff, but they, they're probably the main ones. Anything throughout the whole biliary system, yeah. inflammation. And so if this is happening, so let's think about this, right? Let's think about it. This is conjugated bilirubin. It, there is some sort of blockage in this biliary system. The biliary system sends conjugated bilirubin into the bowel for most to be pooped out. If there's a blockage here, the conjugated bilirubin doesn't go to the bowel. It doesn't get pooped out. Your poo isn't brown. What colour would it be? Not brown. No, it would be white.
0: <laughs> really white? Yeah, or, or pale. Just pale.
1: But it can be have you ever seen like a, a, a dried hard white dog turd? <laughs> so it's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna you go with that. So but it pale, right? So think about that, because there's the blockage. But what happens is it accumulates in this biliary system and also the liver, because the liver is what squirts this yeah. bile down. Yeah. And then the conjugated bilirubin bleeds out, probably the wrong term to use. Yeah, I but, think it is. But uh, disperses out from the liver into the bloodstream I think and the it, body.
0: I think it's lymph. And then it goes via back. lymph? Yeah, via okay. lymph.
1: Regardless, you have this conjugated bilirubin being dispersed throughout the body.
0: Would that also, that ph- phenomenon of um, being spilt out, would that also happen with? Uh, intrahepatic causes as well?
1: I think less so because most intrahepatic causes will stop the conjugation. Oh, yeah. And you mainly have unconjugated.
0: What about, the, what, what about the, with the transporters though? If you're not. Yeah, potentially. Rid of it, would it just build up and then spill out into the lymph? And yes. Then
1: yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. So in post hepatic, you've got an accumulation predominantly of conjugated bilirubin. Um, you've got potentially elevated liver enzymes because it's all backing up into the liver possibly damaging it
0: and that would cause a different type of injury maybe the enzymes will be slightly different
1: yes so some of the liver enzymes and we'll talk about this when we do the liver enzyme episode some of the liver enzymes are are more specific to the biliary system Mm -hmm. and actually are expressed or released from cells within the biliary system and so if there's a blockage you have and one of these is called a- ALP but don't we'll talk about that later strain and labor party if that's <laughs> that's right so yeah <laughs> it's bad for your liver <laughs> i think we've i think we can sort of tell that by looking at a bunch of them so elevated very specific liver enzymes elevated right um, and then the other point here is your urine is a very dark color in this post-hepatic cause. Oh yeah. Okay. And the reason why is because the urine gets its bilirubin metabolite from the bloodstream. And because you've from, got all which this is from f- the bowel. Yes. And so you because the bowel isn't getting anything because of the blockages, it's backing up into the liver. The liver spills out all this conjugated bilirubin into the bloodstream, which then the kidneys will end up having to filter and it ends up filtering a whole bunch of conjugated bilirubin.
0: Yeah, and it's also important to just to note quickly here that um, because the initial bilirubin that was unconjugated that was first released from, let's just say, the spleen, it has a very tight relationship with albumin. That means it can't break off when it goes through the kidney. Oh, good point. So that will never leave in its conjugated form. Yeah, good point. Albumin doesn't
1: like to be filtered through the kidneys. So if it's bound to bilirubin, neither will bilirubin.
0: So that means um, you should only see the unconjugated form in your P. Yes. But if you had a blockage here, which basically we're saying that we're not making any urobilinogen – that means you're not going to have it in your blood. That mm. means you're not going to have any in your pee. And mm. that's in, that's a urinalysis test. Yes. So when you do your dipstick test, which we did a podcast on, if you have negative urobilinogen, but you have jaundice, that would be suggestive that it's something in this post-hepatic.
1: Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Good point. Look, I think we've done it. By George, I think we've got it. You happy with that? I might just add one final point. Sure.
0: Sure. Um, Something
1: embryological related or animal related. No,
0: no, no, it's not really. Um, There there seems to be um, a phenomenon that in pregnancy that pregnant women are more likely to get jaundice Yeah, um, that I quickly uh, had a look into, um, but they come from multiple different causes. So um, the most common type type of jaundice in pregnancy is from stones, gallstones which I think you probably could answer this, but um, is it the uh, female hormones and the way that, that those hormones process cholesterol yeah. increases the stone production? Yes. Okay. Yep. Then there's almost 25%, but 24%, um, in the <laughs> <laughs> pre-enclampsia type of, I think it's hemolysis. So oh, that yeah. will be a hemolysis cause of, or so, so we'd probably say a pre-hepatic cause of jaundice. And then we have... Uh, 13% of intrahepatic um, cholestasis, which I think is more to do with just a slow Squirting liver process. Squirting out. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just thought that yeah. it's it's more common for pregnant females to have it and there's some of the reasons for why.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, everybody. There is bilirubin metabolism and jaundice. I hope you enjoy Any
0: final wrap-up?
1: Oh, I suppose so. <laughs> You can always send us an email, gubiosciences at gmail.com. You can always follow us or at least me on social media, Dr. Mike Todorovic, D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C. That is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. If you like watching my two-minute yeah, medical done, education you've done really videos. well lately. Yeah, like look, if you want to hear this off. stuff in two minutes. Taken off. That's it. I'm going to be uh, to the moon soon. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter. We, you know we have a YouTube channel, Dr. Matt Dr. Mike. Follow us. Subscribe to us. Like our videos. Don't dislike our videos. Don't give us hate mail like we, all the anti-vaxxers have given us. We,
0: yeah, we got we got really um, heavily um, slammed with our our vaccine videos. We got in smashed. The, in our comments. Yeah. It, and it always happened so – it was like a, a waterfall of comments. Yeah. And yeah, so, we had to turn it off. It was so bad.
1: We had to get rid of the, – and then now uh, – we are it's obviously kind of got- impinging people's freedom of speech on YouTube to not call us pieces of crap, which uh, have been a, a common comment. Well,
0: well, both of us. The ago. latest
1: one yesterday was, we are despicable. <laughs> At least you are. <laughs> right,
0: They're half right. <laughs> um, well, there's a comment that I that we received that I thought was um, interesting. We were, we're going to go to the Nuremberg Trials. That's right. Number two. Yes. Yeah. Two point um, They said. Yeah. So we're so just wait because we're, um, we're going to
1: be tried for whatever that murderers. was. Yes. Yes. We've been called murderers. We've been called a lot of things.
0: Um, what was the term they used for um, in bed with the pharmaceutical companies?
1: Shill. Shill. Yeah. I never
0: knew that term before. I read the comments. There
1: you go. <laughs> well, we're shills now, Matt. Obviously,
0: and I will make a statement that we made zero. Dollars from those videos, so we we didn't. Um, there was no kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies or any other. We just did it because we believed in the science, and and we took it ourselves. My um, my wife took them, and she's breastfeeding. Uh, and the, the vaccine, yeah, yeah. And I I took them. Yeah, I had to convince Mike because um, he <laughs>
1: he didn't. He didn't. We both got our jabs the same day. Yep. Just before we went to Sydney. And surprisingly, because Michael with was Chris a huge, Hemsworth,
0: huge uh, hypochondriac, um, Michael did not get any side effects. So I was. Weird. I was um, surprised, yep. pleasantly. Yeah. Um, maybe it was because we had to go to Sydney the next day.
1: We were hanging with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And then um, after we cool. finished
0: the shooting with Chris Hemsworth, um, we left Sydney. He, we and call him Hemo now. <laughs> we, we left Sydney and um, there was. A outbreak which lasted 110 days. Yes, and of so, COVID. And interestingly, of COVID. Interestingly, it was caused started by what, Michael?
1: Uh, you coughing <laughs> on a old lady?
0: No. Oh, a um, car. Albumen.
1: Limo. Limo. There's Limo the, driver. There you go. Which I nicknamed Albumen. Albumen. His name was Al Buman. All right. See ya.